0: Hello, and welcome to What in Nation, Tar Heel Blog's hot Take podcast. On this episode, we're going to be previewing Carolina's game against Appalachian State, going over some projections for Leaky Black, talking about Carolina's ACC basketball schedule, and mentioning a little something-something that Nike is going to be adding to Carolina's basketball uniform. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right. Somehow I have made it through Tuesday, so I'm ready to talk some football and God bless a little bit of basketball too. So, yeah.
0: It's almost that time.
1: It's almost that time. I'm pumped. Finally getting back into my wheelhouse here.
0: We are just a little over a week away from late night with Roy, which means basketball season is so close to being upon us.
1: Yeah. Um. And before we know it, we're going to be playing Notre Dame.
0: Which is crazy. That's, yeah. I I don't like it. I understand it, but I still don't like it.
1: Yeah, and we're definitely going to be diving into a little bit of that later. Because, wow, is that a weird situation, seeing how that's a home-to-home. Home.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be weird this year with the whole... It's for the ACC network, right? Like we just have to put a game on early that people actually care about.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that game is going to be on the ACC network. I'm sure they're trying to get those get those viewers up early and often.
0: Cuz you know, you it's it's hard drawing people when you're playing like the local middle school team or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's not going to cut it for sure. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes the new norm. We'll see. Maybe it's just for this year because I mean, you got to get people to kind of adapt adopt the network early so I don't know, we'll see.
0: Let's hope not because I I've decided that I don't like it.
1: Yeah, it's it's just awkward. It's really awkward like you go play an ACC team and then you beat up on whoever else i know there's going to be a mix of power 5 teams but then after a while you go back to ACC play cuz that makes sense somebody is going to have the worst record which is basically 0 and 1 for like a good month it's just comical
0: but we will get more into that later For now, let's dive into some more football and talk about Carolina welcoming another in state opponent to Chapel Hill on Saturday.
1: Yeah. App State's coming into town. Um, It's also family weekend, right?
0: Is that a thing? I think so. Huh. Yeah. Can't say that that's something that I ever celebrated, but. Yeah. Okay.
1: it's funny because my family's coming into town, but also tickets are really expensive. So, yeah, it'll be family weekend, but it'll be family weekend, not at Keenan, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah, the tickets are definitely expensive. Um, I guess it's probably just the novelty of Carolina playing Appalachian State. Um, it should be a pretty good atmosphere if people can afford to get in. Uh, 3.30 start, so not a noon game, which we are always striving for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it should be a good atmosphere. Hopefully it'll be a good game because UNC kind of – this has turned into the UNC needs this before Clemson game, and I feel like I had a suspicion that it would end up being that way even before the season started. But now that we know what UNC is capable of, it's definitely one of those. You probably should find a way to win it. You're not guaranteed to win it by any stretch because it's App State. But it definitely will be a different feel going into the Clemson game if they come away with a win than if they were to lose this one.
0: And I think one of the sort of underrated things is just how badly Carolina needs to beat an in-state like. Big opponent. It, it's it been rough.
1: Yeah. Uh Inside Carolina's Sherelle McMillan tweeted earlier that they haven't beaten an in-state opponent since 2015.
0: That's terrible. Yeah. And, and you can't expect recruiting to really turn a corner until you can prove that you can win those in-state games because, man, has it been ugly.
1: Right. And I do want to correct myself real quick. That is FBS in state opponents for those that were very ready to correct (laughs) me.
0: Right. So like they've beaten Western Carolina, but Western Carolina is not Duke or state or Appalachian state or
1: so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. So desperately need this one for all kinds of reasons. Now granted, if they lose it, it is it the end of the season? No. But it will go a long way in, like you said, recruiting, kind of getting that that uh just that energy back going, going into Clemson and hopefully making that a close game. I don't think either of us are expecting a win, but just to keep it any Type of, you know, just to keep it interesting, I think would be important. But yeah, this game comes first. So,
0: it is the first game in which Carolina has been the favorite so far. Uh, they're currently a three-point favorite, which basically amounts to home field. But hey, favorite's a favorite.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll take it, or at least I know I will. So hopefully they will too, and. We'll see what they can pull off. Tanya, I was looking at some of the stats just from the two games that App State has played, and they're kind of interesting. Their quarterback play is not very, I don't know the word, interesting, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to find the average here, but basically... Zach Thomas, their quarterback, has thrown for 332 yards so far this season, which in comparison, their running back, Darrington Evans, has rushed for 333. So their run game is definitely their bread and butter, it seems like, just looking at this. And what concerns me is that had that was a struggle. Against Miami when they had to deal with that. And I, or that was Miami, right? Where they're kind of just struggling to get, make a stop and they're killing a lot of clock. And yeah, I, I feel like this is going to be a test for their front seven, see if they're actually able to slow down a team that'll just pound it inside.
0: I think the thing that stands out to me the most about Appalachian state so far is how similar their numbers are to Carolina's through the first few games. Um, App state is coming off a bye, So they've only played two games and and Carolina's played three, but um, the points allowed per game is almost even Uh, app state has allowed 24 points per game. Carolina has allowed 23 points per game. Total yardage is pretty similar with, App State allowing 451 yards per game and Carolina allowing 401.7 yards per game. Yards allowed are very similar with App State allowing 409 yards per game and Carolina allowing 398 yards per game. So these two teams are pretty evenly matched, which I mean that kind of drives with what we were talking about with the line. But the difference is that Carolina has been much better through the air and App State has been much better on the ground.
1: Yeah, and I also think another difference is obviously the competition. App State played Charlotte and they played ETSU. So I would say that it's probably worth a little bit more what Carolina's been able to do against the opponents they played. But regardless, I, I think I think the fact that these teams Having similar numbers is definitely interesting and should very much make for an interesting game. I know both teams are going to be up for it. Going back to what you were saying about uh, yards allowed, against Charlotte, App State allowed 526 yards.
0: Yeah, uh, when your first two opponents of the season are East Tennessee and Charlotte and you're allowing over 400 yards per game, that's probably not great.
1: No, especially given what UNC's been able to do with their offense. I feel like, assuming the offensive line can hold up because that's going to be important, but I feel like UNC is going to have probably the most freedom that they're going to have on the offensive side of the ball so far this year. And so the final score is going to end up being really interesting by the time all this is said and done.
0: Yeah, I think it will be really, really important for Carolina to limit what the Mountaineers are able to do on the ground and sort of force their quarterback to throw Because, I mean, he's averaging 174 yards per game. Howell is averaging almost 250. That's that's a significant difference. And if you let them play their game, that's probably not a great recipe for success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, speaking of Sam Howell, do you feel like he's going to bounce back during this game? Or are we going to see something similar to what we saw against Wake?
0: I think he will bounce back. I mean, we saw a very different Sam Howell from the first half to the second half against Wake Forest in the second half, and particularly the fourth quarter. He looked like the Howell that we've seen across the first two games, so I'm not really worried about that. Um, I know that it it was a little concerning to see him sort of panicked and, and not knowing what to do, but... For, I mean, we we still haven't re- been able to really diagnose how the team looked so different in the fourth quarter versus the rest of the game. But I think I think he'll be okay. Um, what I'm more concerned about is the impact of the injuries that are still lingering, particularly at center, because I know in the Wake Forest game. There were a number of low snaps. It seemed like Howell wasn't getting as long to make decisions, which was rattling him a bit. Um, So I think that will be much more worth keeping an eye on than how Howell (laughs) (laughs) responds.
1: Yeah, definitely. And going back to what you were saying about the center position, I want to say it was Jake. Lawrence in our Slack chat that pointed out the missteps that Fedora took in terms of getting depth for the offensive line. And I feel like that's really biting UNC in the butt right now. Hopefully that's something that gets corrected in the recruiting job that Mac Brown is doing right now. But I definitely think that how will find a way to bounce back, um, I know it sounds like Longo is still tweaking some of the stuff in the offense, especially the third and long situations that they've been running into. Basically, what he said during the presser this week was that their job is to correct what's happening in the first and second down so that when you get to third down, you're not looking at a long situation. You're looking at some more of those shorter situations. I think that's definitely the right way to look at it, but also that means that there's definitely going to be some tweaking that's going to be involved in doing that, and I feel like this will probably be a decent game to see if they can not only get the run game going effectively, but to see if they could get how going effectively as well.
0: I feel like a lot of the reason why first and first and second down have been so ineffective is is that at times they have decided that they're just going to run, 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 and it hasn't always been successful. And I know that there are lots of arguments about how the run sets up the pass and all of that, but there have definitely been stretches of time, particularly the first half against South Carolina, the second quarter against Miami, so on and so forth, where it almost seemed like they were afraid to let Hal throw, and... In those situations, the run game kind of grinded the offense to a halt. So, I mean, if you don't want first and second down to be ineffective, I feel like you need to mix it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, and really that goes back to the offensive line too. It's really hard to run the ball when your offensive line is beaten up like that. I know it's hard to get some things going in the passing game with it as well, but also I think you can cheat that a little bit when you're passing because especially with how I mean he has such a like he gets rid of the ball so quick sometimes that I feel like you can definitely cheat some of the injuries. Um as far as running is concerned though, you really need the offensive line to be on their game and you know, set up those blocks for whoever's in the backfield and Yeah, it's quite the situation. Um, They're going to have to explore ways to kind of work around those discrepancies.
0: Yeah, and I think that Appalachian State will be a, a pretty good test because it's it's like not as strong of an opponent as what they've faced the first three weeks. So, I think seeing sort of what they can do against a team that is definitely not a pushover, they are certainly not a Mercer or a team like that. But you know it it will be interesting to see how they game plan for that, um, not taking their foot off the gas at all, but um, it's definitely a little bit of a a different situation than what they've faced the first three weeks of the season so far.
1: For sure. Tanya, do you have a pick for this game?
0: I'm going to pick the heels. Um, I have ridden with them all the games so far. Um, Obviously was not correct in the Wake Forest game, but my faith is undeterred. And um, I, I will pick them again and I I think I feel good about this one. Brandon, who are you picking this week?
1: Well, as I said last week, if I had picked UNC and they lost, dependent on me, so I have to wear the wake loss. But also I feel like UNC has this one, but I'm a little bit more confident than last week too. So I'm not saying that they're going to do anything crazy. Like I I feel like it's still going to be a really good game. App State is definitely a team that the Heels have to take seriously, but when it's all said and done, I think that they go into the game against Clemson with three wins under their belt.
0: I like it. And, I mean, the Wake Forest game – I feel like it was weird for a number of reasons. Um, It was a game that Carolina could have won. I think they showed that in the fourth quarter uh, if they had played the same way all through the game. Probably having a different discussion right now. But I definitely feel better about this one than I have. Like Some of the other ones have been a bit of blind faith. But I I feel good about this one. However, Appalachian State, came uncomfortably close to beating Penn State last year. So, they cannot be overlooked. They're no. not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No, definitely not. Definitely not. And one quick thing before we switch over to the basketball. I just remembered something. Did you see that Al mentioned that the referees for the Wake game were the same ones from the Clemson game when we faced them in the ACC Championship?
0: I did see that and my hate fire grew three sizes upon learning that information. I mean, what an incompetent crew of clowns. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was one of those things where all I could do was just shake my head and laugh. That's really all you can do. It's just, what are the odds? Like really of, Uh, with all the refs that are in the ACC, what are the odds that those exact ones were the same ones that are like, yeah, no, um, we botched this before, and honestly, we're going to botch this one again. So have fun, UNC. It's just like, it's wild. It's wild.
0: So basically, if there's an ACC ref clown show, you know to suspect this crew first and foremost. Yeah. Not that other ACC refs are immune to this, because we saw last weekend. Very much not. However, these ones may be like the elite tier of badness.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, all right, switching over to basketball. So I found this article that was very interesting to me written by and i apologize if i mess up the name of this publication the steppian um the article was about leaky black and it was titled leaky black the non-sleepy sleeper and that is in reference to basically the nba um essentially the article went over a bunch of stats for him in the limited time that he had with the team last year and at the end he uh the gentleman that wrote it finished up with this quote uh well it's not quote he wrote it but um he finished up with this in a very real sense this makes black a sleeper in that his prospect profile is truly sleeping And the waking of his full-fledged prospect status seems almost an inevitability. In another sense, if we go by what we typically mean by sleeper, Leaky Black should not be considered a sleeper at all as sleepers are long shots and Black seems like anything but the typical long shot. Rather, he seems more like a prospect whose credibility as an NBA player will be all but verified with sufficient opportunity. And as opportunity seems inevitable, his eventual likelihood as a draft pick seems to be as well. So, we've talked a bit about Leaky Black in the Slack channel, and I think we all kind of agreed that his ceiling's pretty high. Um, I tend to think of... I, I think when he got to campus, the common thought was, oh, he's going to be another Theo, but in my mind, I was thinking... Yeah, but as a freshman, I felt like he would be able to shoot better than Theo, and he did. Um, There are some things he didn't do quite as well as Theo, but also, I think when it comes to those other things, I mainly think of senior Theo, not freshman Theo. So in the grand scheme of things, I feel like Leakey definitely had, or I think he had a really good freshman year and this is definitely one of those years that he's going to be on watch for sure. Um, And yeah, I could definitely see the potential for the NBA prospect territory being something that he enters. Uh, Tanya, what are your thoughts about Leakey being a draft prospect this early on?
0: I know a lot of people don't really like the Theo comparison, but I think that he definitely has the ability to be along the lines of Theo Benson. Um, I think that he is a little bit more well-rounded early on than Theo was. Um, I don't think Theo really rounded into his final form until his senior year, but I mean, Leaky came in and could play almost any position. Um, he was pretty good defensively, which I think was huge, and he could shoot. Um, I think that'll only improve as time goes on. So I completely buy him as an NBA prospect because we've seen that Theo has carved out a pretty nice corner of the NBA for himself. And I think that, I mean, I love Theo with my entire heart, but I think Leaky could be a little bit better um, along the same sort of like role as Theo. So I'm aboard the Leaky train. I think he's going to really impress people this year. Um, it could really be a breakout season for him, I think.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And one of the things that, I was thinking about when I first read this article was whether or not this would be the year that his name comes up in the conversation as in he's leaving after his sophomore year. And I think I'm still undecided about that. I definitely think that if he stays until at least the end of next year, I mean, unquestionably his name is going to start coming up so much and scouts are going to be looking at him with such a – they're just going to be enamored with his game, I think. And I don't know. I, I definitely think that he is an NBA prospect through and through by the time everything is said and done for him at UNC, whether or not it is going to be by the end of this year. Or next year, or like his senior year, potentially. I'm not sure. One thing that's going to be a huge deciding factor in that is whether or not he stays healthy, which I'm not really that concerned about it. But I mean, the reality is he has to stay healthy in order to make his case. Um, he can't get injured super early on, like some of the prospects that we've seen for the NBA draft and still get drafted. So um yeah, that's I think that's kind of where I'm at with Leaky. I I I I can't wait to see him play. I think that's just that's the easiest thing for me to say is I cannot wait to see what he's able to do this year.
0: Yeah, I I think it's gonna be a good season for him. And I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that it would pro unless something unforeseen happens. I think next year is really the year for him to make his case as an NBA prospect. But, I mean, anything could happen this year and he could need to step into a bigger role and that could change things. But I think he's going to go a long way this year towards solidifying that for the next year. And I can't wait to see it.
1: Yeah. One more thought that I just had on that Do you feel like the ball being in Cole Anthony's hands and from like a facilitation perspective, do you feel like that may hurt or not really affect his draft stock if we're looking at the big picture that is leaky black?
0: I don't think it will really impact it one way or another because I don't think anybody really thinks that Leaky's primary position is going to be point guard in this uh, team, um, so I think it's. I think what's going to be more important this year is his continued versatility and how Roy can use him up and down the court, mostly any position when he needs to. I think that's what's really going to be his strong suit. And then you know, next year maybe when point guard isn't as cut and dry as it was last year or is going to be this year, I think then that might come into play more. But I think for this year, it's just going to be kind of being that like Swiss Army knife type player.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Uh, Well, we are going to go ahead and take a commercial break. And when we come back, we will talk Nike uniforms and the ACC schedule. Be right back. All right, and we're back. So, Tanya, let's talk some Nike uniform talk. Um, We found out today, actually. um, I'm not sure when the news initially came out, but I found out today that Nike is releasing uniforms to the college teams that they have under their brand, uh, uniforms that have gold tabs on the back, reflecting teams that have won a national title. Uh, Nike has had 10 schools that have won a combined 20 national titles while competitors, Adidas, Reebok, and Under Armour have just three total national titles during That the-
0: shade is so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, actually, our schools win all of the titles, what does it feel like to be the rest of you?
1: <laughs> right. During a 23-year span, it, it's quite the flex. It is quite, quite the flex. Um,
0: also, to, I lucky he didn't know that any schools had Reebok.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I don't remember the last time I've seen a school wear Reebok uniforms.
0: The only thing I can think of with Reebok are those like gray suede shoes that are like the footwear of like octogenarians. Oh my and god. And it makes me laugh really really hard.
1: <laughs> it always makes me think of the pump, the pumps that I had when I was in grade school where it was like you just like pump it full of air and allegedly it helps you jump higher and it did literally nothing other than constricted the blood flow to your feet. That is definitely where my brain goes. Um, so yeah, the schools that will have these gold tabs include Arizona for their 97 championship. And no, I'm not going to list all of the years that these teams won championships, but I just want to remind you because that one was back in 97. Um, Kentucky, UConn, Duke, Syracuse, North Carolina, Florida, Villanova, and Virginia.
0: Apparently, Boston College is Reebok.
1: Boston College is Reebok.
0: I, I cannot confirm, but they were at one point.
1: Wow.
0: They were at one point.
1: Yeah, that. Uh, wow. That's wild. Um, one other note that they put in here was that Maryland was also a Nike school when it won the national title in 2002, but the Terrapins are now outfitted by Under Armour and will not participate in the promotion. you hate to
0: see
1: it. You hate to see it. Maryland is forever being left out of anything that is good in the world. That includes the ACC.
0: It's true. (laughs) I mean, I think this is a fun idea. I'm sure some people will grumble about any changes to uniforms, but I mean, it celebrates the success Carolina has had. I'm all for it.
1: Yeah. And I'm actually looking at a photo of Leaky Black's uniform right now. It's, It's a gold tab and it has an imprint of the UNC logo on it. So I think it looks pretty good for what it is. Um, Obviously, it clashes a little bit with the Carolina blue, but you know what? If it's just another way to, you know, show out to people that we are national champions or have been national champions, I'm all for it.
0: I mean, that I'm looking at a picture of it now. It's so small. Like,
1: yeah, it's yeah.
0: not obnoxious. I was expecting something like super shiny gold, and it, it's not. It's like a matte gold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think they did a really good job with it. Um,
0: it's super not offensive.
1: No. It's a little bit of a shame that we probably won't be able to buy jerseys with this tab on it. Um, that sounds like a weird request, but honestly, they would have to shut up and take my money if they ever did that, because i that's just one of those weird things that I would collect for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have always been sad that they've decided to stop selling the jerseys like that, but I absolutely get why they did. I just have to seek out the black market.
1: Yeah. I found the black market of UNC jerseys about a month or so ago, and it was kind of terrifying what popped up on my computer when I found it. So I don't know if I'll be revisiting that, but I guess if I get desperate enough, I may have to look into it again.
0: Also, upon further inspection, some of these look way more shiny than others. So I guess stay tuned on that part, but it's still small.
1: It is the least surprising thing ever that the shiniest one that I see is Duke's. No, no, no. Correction. I think it's, is that Florida's?
0: I think it's Florida's, yeah.
1: Yeah, that one is super shiny. I take that back. I take my pettiness back. Yeah, theirs is definitely the shiniest of the bunch.
0: Yeah, maybe it's the lighting, but either way, I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, I'm here for it. I am definitely here for it. So the final topic of discussion is the ACC schedule has been released. And Tanya, you and I both have gotten a chance to look at the schedule. And I will start with you. What is What caught your eye with this schedule?
0: I mean, aside from the very weird Notre Dame game at the beginning of November, Um, I am mostly okay with the schedule. Um, There are positive points and there are, you know, some things we wish could be different. Um, We have to play Virginia twice, which never going to be that fun. Uh, I hate it. (laughs) Also, like, I feel like when Carolina plays – in Charlottesville, like, dreams go to die. It's just, it's painful.
1: Yeah, I've pretty much hated the entire existence of Virginia basketball since Tony Bennett took over. Um, I'm sorry, Caroline, if you are listening to this, but it's just, it's just the style of play. But also, yeah, kind of like what you are saying, when they go to Virginia, I just feel like Nothing goes right ever. I don't understand it. Things go better at Cameron than they right. go in Virginia. I don't know.
0: Um, the biggest thing that stands out to me, though, is that um, Carolina is going to get a chance to extend their winning streak to 60 and 0 against Clemson in Chapel Hill on January 11th. So circle your calendars. Should be fun. 60 and 0 is ridiculous, but it's also ridiculously funny. So let's make it happen.
1: You know what's also funny is I feel like ever since I moved here, I've been to every home game against Clemson. So I've just been witnessing the streak extend. Just it just keeps going and keeps going. It it's fun. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> It's fun to get to witness that in person. So, yeah, definitely circle that one on your calendars.
0: Um, The other thing that I kind of pointed out was that there's one stretch where they play um, three games on a Wednesday, Saturday, Monday. So three games in a week, uh, three games in less than a week. Um, What is that? Five days?
1: Yeah, I think it's like three in five days or three games something like that. In five
0: days. I can math. I promise. Um, and that is on the road at Virginia Tech, at home against Miami, and on the road at NC State. That is not an easy stretch. Uh, if for any uh opponents, like regardless of what teeth of what three teams you slot in there, it would be difficult. But those are not going to be easy, and. Playing three games in five days is not going to be easy either.
1: Does Miami still have that one guy, that little guy that tried tearing up Kobe White?
0: I don't know.
1: I know I should know his name. I will know his name by the time the season starts because I'm probably going to watch some random ACC basketball games and he's going to pop up and I'm going to be like, oh yes, that kid. Chris Likes. Chris Likes.
0: Um, he was a sophomore. Mm. So unless he went to the NBA at five foot seven.
1: Which he did um, not.
0: He, he should be there.
1: Fun. Fun times. I will look forward to seeing how Cole Anthony navigates that situation, which I, I say that in jest, but also in seriousness at the same time. Um,
0: I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I just hope that Cole Anthony teabags him. That's all. I don't know if
1: I'm <laughs> allowed to say that.
0: <laughs> it, uh, is, is that allowed on this podcast? I don't know.
1: If I said it's it, explicit.
0: <laughs> that's that's my hopes and that's my dreams.
1: Oh, man. that is That would be fantastic. That would be on every highlight reel going forward in the history of University of North Carolina basketball. I would watch that on repeat. You remember when Danny Green did that to somebody? Was it I who was it? It wasn't Paulus, was it?
0: It it was.
1: I yeah. Believe. Good lord. That was a great game.
0: I need the updated version of that, and the updated version of that would be this. So Cole, if you're listening, make it happen.
1: Yeah, just just do it like Nike. That also puts the gold tabs on the back of your jerseys. Um, <laughs> the two things I notice about this schedule, um, it actually does – it, it, it's in regard to the Notre, Notre Dame game, which you mentioned that was a bit weird. But the other thing that I noticed about that is just how spread out the first and the second game against them are. They play Notre Dame in November. That is November 6th. And then they don't play them again until February 17th. That's weird. I guess and that
0: is the... Uh... That is the price of that early game.
1: Yeah. And the what's really weird about that is they're both going to be completely different teams by the time they play. It's just, it's such a weird dynamic. It's kind of exciting, but also it's just like, when does this happen? Now, I guess, is when it happens because it wasn't happening before. But Wow just just wow um the other thing that I noticed about the schedule it seems like there's a lot of Saturday games um I'm counting one two, three four five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 ACC games on Saturday which I'm here for I, I love Saturday basketball but yeah it's um, that should be fun.
0: Yeah, I mean Saturday Saturday games are always good. Um, I enjoy that like they seem to be some of the louder games because I know that some of those games are hard for people to come out to after work or they have to go to work the next morning. God knows that the game Carolina is playing in the ACC Big Ten challenge that starts at nine thirty on a Wednesday is going mm. to be rough on people that have to work, but um, love Saturday games. Those will be fun.
1: Yeah, definitely should be. So do you have maybe an overall grade of this schedule in terms of maybe the A plus being very doable? They should very much end up on the top three of the ACC and F being, what were they thinking when they created this schedule? I don't understand why this happened. UNC might get ran out of the building in all of these games.
0: I think they should definitely be one of the top three teams in the ACC. I think if they're not, something did not go right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I use the word weird liberally because I just think that everything's kind of wide open. I think Virginia may have lost one too many of their stars. I know Duke lost way too many of their stars. UNC is kind of there as well, but getting Cole Anthony... And Armando Baycott definitely keep things upright, I feel like. yeah. Um, Louisville is going to be the problem that I think everybody's going to have to focus on because they didn't really take that big of a hit, and they still have Jordan Wara. So they were already on the uptick, and I feel like if there's going to be a team to beat in the conference, it's going to be them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. I think it's a little more wide open than it has been the last couple of seasons just because all the sort of big teams are going to experience a lot of turnover. Um, I mean, the fact that like you can think about Carolina without Luke May, Kenny Williams, Kobe White, so like that in and of itself is is big. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I think Caroline is in a good position. It helps that they very likely have one of the top five players in the country. Yeah. Is that reasonable to say? Um, so I think that will go a long way toward helping them. But yeah, um, I I do think that they should end up in the top three.
1: Yeah. I think that's where I'm at too. I I can comfortably say that they should end up in the top three. Um, I'm not at number one yet, but in any spot in the top three, I'm absolutely with you.
0: Brandon, do you have anything else for this episode?
1: No, I believe I'm good.
0: Well, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter.
1: You can find me at THBBrandon.
0: And I am at Tanya Bondurant and also at Tar Heel Blog. We'll be back on Monday with our post game from the Appalachian State game. Hopefully it is a celebratory podcast. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter or catch up on the site. And if you feel so inclined, subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review. Until next time, go Heels.
1: Go Heels.